<clears throat> we are on the record at the beginning of media number one, volume one. Please begin. This is the testimony of Elizabeth Holmes going on the record in San Francisco, California at 9 o'clock a.m. on July 11th, 2017. Ms. Holmes, please raise your right hand. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. Thank you. That's the voice of Elizabeth Holmes, the founder of healthcare company Theranos and once the world's youngest female self-made billionaire. Are you appearing here today pursuant to the subpoena? I am. She's giving testimony under oath. When you say tens of tests, you mean something less than 100? Yes. In the summer of 2017. Did it concern you that a number of tests weren't working on Theranos' devices? I know that we made so many mistakes on this front, but... If you followed the dropout and the story of Theranos, this image of Elizabeth is seared into your memory. Her blonde hair pulled back in a messy bun, her eyes wide and unblinking. Instead of a black turtleneck, once her signature look, she appears disheveled in a blue button-down and black blazer. It's the deposition of a once-rising star in Silicon Valley, but her star came crashing down, hard. Her fall from grace was spectacular. The Department of Justice charged Elizabeth Holmes with a 12-count, multi-million dollar fraud. She's always maintained her innocence. That was three long years ago. Since then, the government has been meticulously building its case. In my mind, it's a slam dunk, based on the evidence. I think she should be a convicted felon. But so has Elizabeth's high-powered defense team. I see both sides, but I think, given the right defense, they might be able to pull one out. She could sell this story to 12 jurors. Given the volume of details, tens of millions of documents, over 200 possible witnesses, and thousands of exhibits. Experts and interested parties are torn. At this point, it could go either way. You know, all we can do is hope that the jury sees it clearly and does the right thing. And what would that be? Uh, Send her to prison for 20 years. That's the maximum sentence. And throughout it all, Elizabeth's been seemingly living life to its fullest. It's just amazing. Most people would be devastated, uh, but but not her. She went to Burning Man. A lot of people think it was heartless that you were partying at Burning Man when your company was closing its doors. She started a new relationship with a hotel heir nearly a decade her junior. I remember thinking, wow, you know, she just bounces right into the next opportunity. Good luck to that guy. (laughs) And perhaps most surprisingly, at least to some, Elizabeth recently gave birth to her first child, a boy named William Holmes Evans, named after his father and paternal grandfather. He was born July 10th in Redwood City, California, a month and a half before a criminal trial where Elizabeth faces decades in prison if convicted. Oh, well, I certainly was just waiting for that. Great way to to garner jury sympathy. But today, August 31st, is the day. The trial is finally here. Jury selection begins at 9 a.m. Pacific time on the fifth floor of the San Jose Courthouse in Northern California before Judge Edward J. Davila. All eyes on Elizabeth. How is this ABC News? How 
Bob's motherhood. Everyone wants to know. Are you ready to? How will this story end? I'm Rebecca Jarvis. I've been covering business for more than a decade, from the housing collapse and the Great Recession to the Bernie Madoff scandal and the economic turmoil brought by the pandemic. But no story comes close to the saga of Elizabeth Holmes, the woman who famously told the world she could do anything, is about to face down her toughest battle yet. For the duration of this trial, my team, Taylor Dunn, Victoria Thompson, and I will be taking you inside the courtroom, breaking down the evidence, keeping score for both sides until 12 jurors decide the fate of Theranos founder, Elizabeth Holmes. What a court fight that's going to be. You'll hear new interviews from colleagues, attorneys, friends, and patients, defense strategies and analyses, emails and text messages, even what one attorney says are Elizabeth's private notes to herself. Some of the notes I would say are pretty damning. So pack the bags, leave the country, something like that. All this as the defiant founder continues to this day to deny any wrongdoing. This is what happens when you work to change things. And first they think you're crazy, then they fight you. And then all of a sudden you change the world. ABC Audio, this is The Dropout, Elizabeth Holmes on Trial. Episode 1, Where Have You Been, Elizabeth Holmes? When we last left off, it was March of 2019. Elizabeth was already awaiting trial. It was a stunning fall from grace for the young woman who once appeared poised to change healthcare forever with her supposedly revolutionary blood testing technology. At just 19 years old, Elizabeth had dropped out of Stanford to create a company called Theranos and soon boasted about the technology at exclusive conferences. So our work is making it possible to do any lab test from a tiny drop of blood from a finger, instead of having big needles stuck in your arm and tubes and tubes of blood taken out. If she had made this work, she would have been the next Steve Jobs. The only problem, she didn't. It was just all a pack of lies. To your knowledge, did Ms. Holmes know at the time she made those statements that Theranos could not do all those tests? Yeah, she knew. This is not fake it to you, Megan. This was a product that didn't work. If you haven't heard the first season of The Dropout, I recommend you stop here, go back, and listen. It's a story that defies belief, involving brave whistleblowers, a board made of government heavyweights, a tragic suicide, brushes with fame, and U.S. presidents. Don't worry about the future. We're in good hands. It's okay. There's a secret romance and a fawning press. I am so incredibly humbled. Until one very public downfall. Enough, Elizabeth Holmes. Listen, this company is a fraud. Elizabeth was 34 when her company was dissolved. Since then, her public persona hasn't been of a woman cowering in fear over a potential prison sentence or even regretting she allegedly put patients in harm's way. Instead, Elizabeth's been acting like someone without a care in the world, something former Theranos patients and investors don't take too kindly to. It just really 
it just really angers me. It hurts. It just really hurts. It's almost beyond comprehension to people who have empathy and and are normal. Now 37 years old, Elizabeth has been spending a lot of her time in San Francisco, often spotted in the Mission or Marina District. She's frequently seen walking her husky dog, Balto, going to workout classes or the local coffee shop. Until April 2019, Elizabeth was living in a luxury condo in the Russian Hill neighborhood. She's now relocated to Woodside, a suburb of San Francisco, and one of the wealthiest communities in the country. Some of you have even sent us pictures of Elizabeth casually dining among friends. At the Homestead Pub in San Francisco, at the Brentwood Country Mart in L.A., where celebrities are frequently photographed and mingling at weddings and cocktail parties. Her signature black turtleneck is gone. These days, you're more likely to catch Elizabeth wearing athleisure, a baseball cap. And she's almost always at the side of her new constant companion, Billy Evans. William Billy Evans is the 29-year-old heir to the Evans Hotel Fortune, a collection of properties in San Diego's Mission Bay and La Jolla, including the lodge at Torrey Pines. It was founded by his paternal grandparents in the 1950s. The families lived in the area for generations. Billy is tall, six foot four with wavy brown hair and light blue eyes. Like Elizabeth, he went to a prestigious high school, studied in China, Billy spent time at Fudan University. Elizabeth studied Mandarin in Shanghai. And he went on to a top-tier college. He always was put together. He always looked ready to go out, honestly. That's Tim Lee, now Dr. Timothy Lee. Tim and Billy were buddies back in college at MIT, where they played volleyball together. He was a good teammate. He got along well with everyone. He was always very happy and smiley. He liked to tell stories. Billy studied economics and also happened to be quite the athlete. Really, my first memory playing with him competitively was when we were playing our uh, Harvard, who is our division rivals. I just remember he got thrown into the mix of a very competitive game as one of his first experiences playing, and he fit right in. He was Billy started on the team his freshman year when Tim was captain and three years older. He had grown up in San Diego playing at very high levels out there. And then when he came to our team, he was um, able to help us, even in his freshman year, which is not that common. Tim says Billy also stood out for his confidence. He had a savviness to him, which I think is not common for MIT. Did he seem like someone who would like the spotlight? Certainly. I can picture him smiling and telling stories about all the parties he hosted and making everyone laugh. Like, that is definitely, in my mind, quintessential Billy. After college, Billy kept an MIT signet ring on his pinky finger. He went to work for a Silicon Valley startup called Luminar Technologies, which designs LiDAR for self-driving vehicles. It's like the eyes for the car. He was very good at networking, yes. If we were trying to get a customer or an investor, he knew somebody who knew somebody there or he knew them directly. He had contacts on contacts on contacts. (laughs) Lindsay Miller was fresh out of grad school and a few months into the job at Luminar when she says she first met Billy in 2017. What type of adjectives come to mind when you think of Billy Evans? Confident, arrogant, entitled. It's one of those, if he wants something, he's going to get it. If not, then he'll, I don't want to say throw a fit, but he'll make it happen eventually. 
Lindsay says Billy was known around the office for his networking skills, his flashy lifestyle, and as someone who loved to tell a good story. Very flashy. So his family's really into cars. He's really into cars. So he would say, oh yeah, I drove this Formula One car this past weekend, or I rented this Lamborghini for the weekend, got to drive it around San Diego or wherever I was at. You know, and just him traveling, you know, to Europe. Okay, well, I'm going to go to Europe for a week just for fun. Billy worked in the California office. Lindsay was in Orlando. And he'd come down for visits with clients and investors. I was in charge of the demos that we would give out to investors and potential clients. Billy would take the clients out in a van with the LiDAR system to show them how it worked. But on one occasion... Lindsay says the system wasn't demo-ready. So this one sticks out very vividly. The van was down because the system wasn't working. It was being repaired. And I told Billy, I said, hey, look, we can't give a demo today. Can't, we can't ride around the van today because of the system, that specific system is down. Billy wasn't having it. And he said, no, we have to do it. And I said, okay, well, I'm sorry, but it's not working. He said, well, get it to work. I said, well, I'm not an engineer, therefore I cannot. And he kept being very adamant about it. Billy and Lindsay went back and forth. He called in the manager who, according to Lindsay, said they should go with her plan. But she says Billy wasn't satisfied. Billy comes back to me. He said, why is the system not on the vehicle? I said, Billy, it's, it's being repaired. It's not, it doesn't work. One of the eyes is down. It's not going to work. And he just is very adamant about it and just was making everything sound like it was my fault whenever it wasn't. And what ended up happening? He did the presentation without, without the demo? Nope. He got the system and he, he had it back, put back on the vehicle and they went out and it wasn't the best. <laughs> Hearing this story, Lindsay's description, you can't help but immediately see shades of Elizabeth. Neither would take no for an answer when it came to presenting to clients. But when people in the office found out Billy was dating the Elizabeth Holmes, they were stunned. We were just shocked. Everybody's like, what? (laughs) No one could believe that, you know, Billy was dating this person, especially after everything that had come out about the company and the charges that were brought against her. Dr. Timothy Lee, Billy's old MIT volleyball buddy, says even though it was initially hard to process, Billy ending up with Elizabeth kind of made sense. You know, I had to kind of digest it. It kind of made sense to me in a way. It seems like she was a gifted storyteller, kind of a salesperson. I think Billy is definitely of that of that cut. I think he's definitely would get along with someone who uh, had high aspirations. Tim hasn't seen Billy since he graduated college 10 years ago, but Billy clearly left a positive impression. He was a good guy. You know, obviously this is kind of a tragic situation and circumstances, I wonder which I'm talking about him, but you know, I wish him the best and um, hope also that Billy's happy. Hey, this is Brad Milkey. I host ABC's daily news podcast, Start Here. The Dropout will be back in a minute, but first... Some folks don't stop searching till they find the truth. If you've got a detective's eye, June's Journey is the game for you. Play as June Parker in a gripping murder mystery as you find hidden objects to help solve her sister's death. 
you'll hunt for clues in hundreds of beautifully illustrated scenes set in the Roaring Twenties. New chapters are added weekly. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today. Available on Android and iOS mobile devices, as well as on PC through Facebook games. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. I want to invite you to start your day with us. Every morning on Start Here, we dive deep into the biggest news stories with some of the best journalists in the world. It's smart, it's relevant, and maybe most importantly for you, it's quick. Again, that's Start Here, the daily podcast from ABC News. Available wherever you listen. It was in August 2018, just days before Theranos was fully dissolved, that the media caught wind of Elizabeth and Billy's relationship. And it was quite a debut. The two were partying at Burning Man, the annual nine-day gathering in the Nevada desert where hippies, celebrities, and tech CEOs come together. The whole thing culminates in the burning of a large wooden effigy known as the man. Everyone who attends wears a wild and extravagant costume. Billy posted a photo to his Instagram. In it, Elizabeth's wearing magenta oversized sunglasses and a fur-trimmed metallic coat. Billy's MIT signet ring dangles around her neck. Billy's wearing a hoodie, a backpack, some sort of captain's hat, and a shirt with the words, Sex, Breakfast of Champions, written across the front. People like Sherry Ackert, a Theranos patient who received incorrect results, thought their cavalier behavior showed a disgusting lack of self-awareness. She is obviously not a compassionate, you know, straight up person. She doesn't care. She doesn't care about me or anybody else, just herself. I mean, I think she's made that perfectly clear. Shortly after Burning Man, an Inside Edition reporter tracked down the couple in San Francisco, they were walking their husky dog, Belto. Hi, Elizabeth. I'm Lisa Guerrero with Inside Edition. We and confronted Elizabeth directly. A lot of people think it was heartless that you were partying at Burning Man when your company was closing its doors. Elizabeth keeps walking. She stares straight ahead. Do you have any comment at all to the investors that say they lost millions of dollars because of you? Billy stayed back, avoiding the camera crew. But months later, on Elizabeth's 35th birthday, February 3rd, 2019, he was front and center, sharing an elaborate Instagram story. A picture of Elizabeth in a purple wig kissing Billy on the cheek. Below it, the caption, Happy B-Day to my best friend. The last year has been the best I've had. Your strength, compassion, and tenacity are inspiring. There's nothing you cannot do. But that wasn't all. Over 38 separate posts, Billy proceeds to profess his deep love for Elizabeth. There are pictures of Elizabeth and Billy at a NASCAR event, pictures of her kissing his head, the two cuddling in the back of a car, 
another in front of a retro train dressed up for a holiday party. In nearly every photo, Elizabeth's wearing that MIT ring on a chain around her neck. Billy continues the montage with love poems by Rumi, Plato, William Shakespeare, and more. He includes an excerpt from The Amber Spyglass by Philip Pullman. I will love you forever, whatever happens, till I die. He quotes Langston Hughes, Albert Einstein, Jim Morrison, Teddy Roosevelt, Confucius, and in a seemingly defiant nod to Elizabeth's critics, he includes the Bill Gates quote, don't let small minds convince you that your dreams are too big. Their limits are not yours. The montage concludes with a picture of their dog, Balto, with the caption, the end. In March 2019, rumors began to surface Billy and Elizabeth were engaged. Vanity Fair contributor Nick Bilton had this to say on Inside the Hive podcast. I, so I asked the question, like, is he really in love with her? What's going on? And someone told me that they think that he's totally in on the joke, too, a little bit and loves the attention that he's getting. And it's like, is totally enamored with her. Yes, but also partially believes her that that, you know, she did nothing wrong and that she was thrown under the bus, but also loves the fact that he's like on the Daily Mail website and this that, and the other. And former Theranos employees didn't know what to make of it. Facing criminal charges, Elizabeth had seemingly moved on with her life. Meantime, they were still working through the chaos she'd caused in theirs. Former Theranos employee Michael Craig couldn't believe his eyes when he bumped into the couple at a bar in Sausalito. Like so many of his colleagues, the end of Theranos had been traumatic for him. He felt betrayed by Elizabeth, who he'd once held in such high esteem. I never really expected to ever see her again in person. And then my wife leans over to me at a certain point and she goes, for a minute there, I thought that that was Elizabeth Holmes. And I looked over to my left and at a bar table, staring right at me, looking at both of us. I realized it was Elizabeth Holmes and she was with this young man. And it was so surreal, uh, totally caught off guard, but she was clearly had been looking at us. And then she got up and came over. But Elizabeth was nonchalant, even friendly. She didn't have any makeup on. She was in a like a dark hoodie and jeans. She introduced her friend as her fiance. And I was like, I wonder what story she has been telling him and herself, really. But she had those big blue eyes filled with emotion. And she said, you know, I'd really like to go out and get coffee with you sometime to both of us. Um, I miss you and I'd like to have you back in my life. And at that point, I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. I could, didn't know what to say. I had so many different feelings coming up because I'd basically been devoted to this woman and her vision for five years. Um, so we basically I said nothing but said we have to get going and avoided the question. And then I got the bill, paid it quickly, and we got right out of there. Uh, and my wife said, you know, you were shaking when you were talking with her, and I wasn't aware of it. But as soon as she said that, I realized it started to really dawn on me what the impact of, of this whole thing has been. Like, I'm just starting to look at it. Uh, and I'm doing some serious soul searching. 
Phyllis Gardner, the Stanford professor you met in season one, who doubted Elizabeth from the start, had been hearing different rumors around campus. They went and eloped, from what I heard. She goes and gets married, and she's still walking around San Francisco, walking that dog she called a wolf. Nick Bilton heard the same. So here's where we're going to get into Rumorville. So rumor is they got married. Rumor is um, Billy Evans is parents and family do not like Elizabeth Holmes. Shocker. Um, I'm not sure if they were at the wedding. But following months of searching public records for a marriage license, we could find no actual evidence that Elizabeth Holmes and Billy Evans had married. Even a family member of Elizabeth said he hadn't heard any confirmation of a wedding. We've got the exclusive view behind the table. Every day, right after the show, while the topics are still hot, the ladies go deeper into the moments that make the view the view. The View's Behind the Table podcast. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. The first ever criminal trial of a former president is underway in Manhattan. It's one of potentially four trials facing former President Trump as he makes his third bid for the White House. What do voters think about his culpability, and would a guilty verdict make a difference in the election? I'm Galen Druk, and every Monday and Thursday on the 538 Politics podcast, we break down the latest news from the campaign trail. We sort through the noise and zoom in on what really matters using data and research as we go. That's 538 Politics every Monday and Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Elizabeth, of course, isn't the only person in this saga. There were a lot of others wrapped up in her orbit, and she left an undeniable impact on their lives. I was totally sold on the idea of changing the way blood testing is done, and I really wanted to work at Theranos. Remember Tyler Schultz from season one? He started working at Theranos fresh out of college and originally looked up to Elizabeth. I was in love with her vision. I thought she was brilliant. Tyler ultimately became a brave whistleblower, defying his hugely powerful grandfather, former Secretary of State George Schultz, a member of the Theranos board and Elizabeth's biggest cheerleader. And I felt like she just, she used her personal relationship with him to, uh, I guess, a business advantage. And, you know, she would just like feed him and, you know, was feeding me, basically feeding everybody things that were just completely factually not true. In depositions in season one, Tyler spoke at length about what happened inside of Theranos. But now we know what was going on inside of Tyler's head. Tyler, in his audiobook Thicker Than Water, released last year, talks about the extreme psychological toll that coming forward took on his life. I would wake up in the mornings feeling like Today is going to be the worst day of my life. And it would be so hard for me to pull myself out of bed. In the middle of the night, I would hear what sounded like somebody walking outside my window. He says Elizabeth's attorneys were tracking his phone, following him, leaving him in a state of general terror. And I actually slept with a knife next to my pillow, like right next to my bed, just because it gave me a small sense of comfort, I guess. (laughs) 
And I even considered buying a gun, but I thought that there were plenty of mornings when I woke up and that would have looked a little too tempting. And I basically did the calculation where I thought that the chances of me using that on myself were higher than the chances of me using it in any kind of self-defense. Tyler says it caused pain for his entire family. My dad literally got down on his knee and begged me not to go on the record. I wanted to tell them about how I I had considered killing myself, or I had at least thought about it. (laughs) But when I opened my mouth, I just started crying, and I just could not get the words out, even though I wanted to tell them. Tyler wrote a letter to his grandfather, George Schultz, expressing the great betrayal he felt. You have disappointed me at every possible opportunity. Nearly everything I've told you about Theranos has been proven to be true. I did my absolute best to correct Theranos' problems while I was employed there, and no one listened to me. Since then, Elizabeth has used you to entrap me in your home, a place I once considered to be a home of my own, to serve me with my first of many notices to appear in court. She has had private investigators follow me, my legal team, and my family. She has made it her mission to bankrupt your family. So I am pleading with you as your grandson, please do the right thing, because I have no desire to have a relationship with someone who protects criminals over his own family. But not long ago, Tyler and his grandfather seemed to have a breakthrough. His grandfather apologized and commended Tyler for his bravery and ethics. Shortly after, George Schultz passed away in February 2021 at the age of 100. Tyler now runs a startup called Flux Biosciences, and he's married to his former housemate, Carolyn. They reconnected at a Forbes 30 Under 30 conference and fell in love. He credits her with bringing back the, quote, fun-loving, easygoing guy that had been squashed by the whole ordeal and says, thanks to her, his mental health and life has been improved immeasurably. There, of course, is also Erica Chung, another Theranos employee who worked at the company around the same time as Tyler and was instrumental in uncovering the truth of what happened there. Erica joined Theranos just out of UC Berkeley and put her career at considerable risk by sharing with regulators the disturbing things she says she saw at the company. People... We're very scared of of upsetting Elizabeth Holmes and upsetting Sonny Balwani. But Erica says she hasn't lost hope. She's founded a nonprofit called Ethics for Entrepreneurship, focused on preventing major frauds from happening in the future. Innovation is happening so quickly, and I think more people have to sort of stand up and say, hey, this is, you know, this is not okay when it isn't, and when they have the knowledge to sort of back that up. As for Channing Robertson, the Stanford chemical engineering professor who first championed Elizabeth at Stanford. I first met her when she came to my office uh, when she was a freshman at Stanford. He went on to be one of the highest paid Theranos employees, making $500,000 a year as a board member. He's gone silent, radio silent. Nobody can reach him. And that's very unusual. But that silence might soon come to an end. Channing is listed as a possible witness in the trial, 
and might be called to testify. Fellow Stanford professor Phyllis Gardner says she was once his dear friend. But when they took opposite stances on Elizabeth, things changed. Have you spoken to Channing Robertson at all? Not since I ran into him walking my dog. Didn't quite recognize him because of sunglasses and a hat. And then I went, oh my God, it's you, Channing. What the hell? And my husband yelled at me and said, stop it. And pulled me away. Because I was so... And finally, Sonny Balwani. Uh, first name is Ramesh. Last name is Balwani. Most people call me Sonny. Elizabeth's former boyfriend and Theranos president and COO. And, and I knew this mission and what company was trying to do uh, was paramount. Uh, so it was just like pretty well known that Sonny was kind of the enforcer. The enforcer of what? Of kind of like the, these like intimidation tactics. Sonny faces the same criminal charges as Elizabeth, and he's also pleaded not guilty. But unlike Elizabeth, he's been living a very private existence since he left Theranos. When he was working there, he worked 24-7. He was there at dawn, and he left there at dusk, and he was available all the time. And it, I think there was a burnout factor. That's Jeff Coopersmith, an attorney for Sonny Balwani, who spoke to us in season one. You know, he's a very energetic really brilliant person who has plans and dreams like all of us. Um, he wants to uh, continue to develop software. He wants to be... Healthcare? Uh, I don't know whether it'd be healthcare. He, he wants to continue the entrepreneurship that he's shown in the past. Sonny spent the last few years largely living under the radar. He and Elizabeth no longer speak. Whenever there's legal proceedings and people are represented by counsel, um, the, the most traditional advice that any lawyer like me would give is not to have contact with a person who's, you know, basically a co-defendant at this point in legal proceedings. Last year, when Sonny's mother passed away, he was granted permission by the court to travel to India for the funeral. And soon, he too will face a criminal trial. But it won't be at Elizabeth's side. There have been a lot of items filed under seal over the last few days. And whether she was somehow victimized by the Theranos chief operating officer and her former boyfriend, Sonny Balwani. Their trials are now severed, and Sonny's is set to start early next year. A major twist. Well, certainly they could turn the case against each other, Sonny and uh, Elizabeth, by pointing to each other. But perhaps the biggest twist of all, as the story of Theranos approaches its final chapter, is Elizabeth's latest news. One thing to expect is that Elizabeth Holmes will look different than she looked when we last saw her in February of last year because she is expecting her first child. On March 2nd, 2021, her defense team had a new announcement for the court. Elizabeth was pregnant, due in July 2021, just as her trial was supposed to begin. I just was expecting it. So was everybody I knew. First of all, it's a great way to, to garner jury sympathy. Trust me, I was an expert witness once while pregnant, and I turned the whole case around. And I think, you know, they'll worry about sending a woman to a prison with a baby. Attorney Reed Catherine agrees. I wasn't surprised at that at all. I had conversations with other people involved in litigation and our clients where at one point we actually speculated that wouldn't it be ironic if she decided to get pregnant so that uh, she could get the sympathy of the jury. So I wasn't surprised. You might remember Reed Catherine from season one. 
He's litigated hundreds of lawsuits, including one against Bernie Madoff. In 2016, he sued Theranos on behalf of investors who put money into the company and lost it all. But I, I think, you know, it, it could work. So the jury's going to clearly know that, that she's got a uh, newborn baby out there somewhere. And that will make them think twice before they send her to jail. When the prosecution learned of Elizabeth's news in March, five months into her pregnancy, Assistant U.S. Attorney Robert Leach remarked at a hearing that it was frustrating and disappointing to learn about this now. The judge, who'd already delayed the trial three times due to the COVID pandemic, had no choice but to delay it a fourth time. The new date, today, August 31st, 2021, was scheduled to land approximately a month after Elizabeth's baby. And right on schedule, on July 10th, Elizabeth gave birth to a boy named William Holmes Evans. She'll have a designated quiet room in the courthouse where she can take breaks to care for him. However this trial ends, the next few months are sure to be tense. We'll hear from characters on all sides of this story. The possible list of witnesses includes scientists, patients, investors, board members, advertising executives, doctors, family members, many names you'll recognize, and maybe even Elizabeth herself. Would you put her on the stand? I would definitely consider it. I would assume that Elizabeth will testify in her trial. I think she's uh, big enough of a risk taker and and, and believes so strongly in her ability to charm others that, that she will want to testify. And if history is any indication, Elizabeth Holmes, the dropout, is not going down without a fight. And you will get knocked down over and over and over and over again, and you win by getting back up. And I would start this company over 10,000 times if I had to. Coming up, the 11th hour revelation that could change everything. This is a huge deal. It is an absolute bombshell. Elizabeth Holmes is essentially alleging a decade-long history of systematic abuse. We speak to some of the top defense attorneys in the country. My name is Jose Baez. Yeah, I'm Dick DeGuerin. And former U.S. attorney Preet Bharara. Given the amount of money involved, given the brazenness of it, uh, given how many victims there are, I would expect her to go to prison, yes. They break down some of the defense and prosecution strategies that you'll likely see in the trial. Plus, you'll hear from witnesses called to take the stand. I have been subpoenaed, yes. What sort of precedent would a not guilty verdict set? I think it would send a really, really bad message. Where is the line if this isn't it? If you're sitting across from Elizabeth Holmes in the courtroom, what's going to be going through your mind? How could you? How could you put so many people's lives at risk? How could you? you? Elizabeth Holmes, Sonny Belwani, Channing Robertson, Billy Evans, and the Evans family did not respond or decline to comment for this podcast. The dropout Elizabeth Holmes on trial is written and reported by Victoria Thompson, Taylor Dunn, and me. Victoria is the executive producer. Taylor and I are the producers. For ABC Audio, Susie Liu is producer and Madeline Wood is associate producer. Our field producer is Dia Athen. For ABC's business unit, our associate producer is Victor Ardonez and our production assistant is Elaine Wynn. Mixing and scoring is by Rob Galang and Evan Viola. 
Evan also composed the music for The Dropout. Our artwork is by Teddy Blanks at Chips NY and Cedric Honstad. For ABC Audio, Liz Alessi is executive producer. Special thanks to Josh Cohan, Elizabeth Russo, Ian Rosenberg, Eric Avram, and Stacia Deshishku. Be sure to subscribe to The Dropout Podcast. And if you like what you heard, leave us a review. It really does help. Listen to new episodes every Tuesday.